Hey, turn to the book of Philippians. We'll be there. Yeah, and happy Father's Day to you guys. I joined Pastor Mauricio in saying that. No. My three adult children, they voluntarily, before I asked them, signed up uh, to volunteer at Venture the next three nights. I said, I don't save your cards, save the extra barbecue and the sweet stuff bad for me. That's the greatest gift I could have is having you guys minister. So thank God that they're doing that. So we're going verse by verse through Philippians until you guys get bored with it. And then I'll go back to topical series. I'm just joking. We shouldn't be bored with scripture ever, should we? Huh? But usually the people who say, I want you to go verse by verse, then they're ADD enough after four or five weeks. They're like, hey, we want something different than Philippians. But hey, I'm just, um, I said I wasn't going to say anything rude this week. And man, the first one minute I failed. Christ have mercy on me, man, today. The title of today's teaching is A Completed Work. And that's what Jesus has for us. Uh, let's read in Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 1, and we'll go through 6. We got stuck last week on Paul and Timothy, uh, and now we'll move past that. After I read the scripture, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you may want to echo back, thanks be to God, because we are thankful for his word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thank, thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you with my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and here's the key verse, verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want us to jump right in to those first couple of scriptures again. And here's my first observation. If you're taking notes, it's in you version. You can write this down. Is that we're called to one, establish kingdom relationships. And I'm amazed that as you read the New Testament... There are names, there's connections. You begin to connect these names to the book of Acts and you begin to uh, go through a chronological Bible because, you know, the Bible's not organized chronologically. It just, it's organized in types of books most of the time. And so when you begin to connect the relationships, it's amazing to see that the kingdom of God springs out of relationships. That's one of the reasons the enemy wants us to be isolated. He wants us to be by ourselves. He wants us to be lonely and not be connected to kingdom, godly relationships. Some of us are relationally connected, but we're connected to wrong influences. So it's not just about being alone. It's about being connected with the right type of people. Jesus was always pulling people into the kingdom. And so we know by reading the Gospels that he spent time with notorious sinners. He spent time with people who were among those who were classified as unreligious and unclean. He did that to influence them. But when he retreated and he got by himself, Jesus had people around him like-minded to draw strength from. And we see this principle in the kingdom of God. Look at verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, 
to all the saints. Now, I'm gonna to talk to you about some terminology here that every one of you has baggage, baggage with, okay? So you, you see the term saints, all the saints. Well, who are the saints? Are they guys who play football for New Orleans? Well, yes, but no, not in this context. Are saints established by the Pope? Well, yeah, he tries to, but that's not biblically who the saints are. Who are the saints? We're it, guys. We're the saints, not because of what we've done, but because what Jesus has done for us. And we're always discovering what Jesus has done for us. So in a church, you know, there's that question, what constitutes a church? And that's a long argument and debate and so forth. But looking right here, there's the idea of a gathering, a gathering of people who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Now, we could talk a long time about these words, overseer and deacons. Uh, and then, honestly, what happens is different translations of the Bible will give different names. So it's not necessarily about the name as much as it is the function. Okay? So the, the principle I want you to get from here is not like... Not necessarily like, what, what exactly is it an overseer, deacon, bishop, elder? No, it's recognized church leadership. And we know in the modern context that that looks a little different from each church, from church to church. And there's church history that determines that. I think the important thing is, is that there is a community of leaders. It's not just one person. You know, because power in one person is always ends up corrupting that person and corrupting the organization. So I think shared leadership is important. At our church, we have, you know, a strong role as a senior pastor has a strong role, but there's a lot of checks and balances. By the way, we've been working for a while on an online version of our membership class. We don't call it membership class, but just so you know what it is, it's called CIL Forward. It's how you become a CIL partner and um, you can take this online course. You can find it at cil.church right now. You can take it anytime you want to. Enroll. Take it at your own pace. And you don't have to become a CIL partner if you take the course. Or maybe you've been around here for like years and years. And you're like, what do we exactly believe again? Well, there are a series of videos that you can watch. And they're all like three or four minute videos apiece. You can watch them at different times. And so we address some of these issues. But the point is here is that churches should have shared leadership. Now, how does this function with us? And this can change in the future because we're always changing. So the overseers, we have overseers who are more um, involved in our church for emergency situations. But I would say this is our elders now, uh, which would be me and Aubrey and Deborah, who are our elders right now. And then what are the deacons? I would say today that would be our church staff. A lot, of, a lot of the deacons. Now, that might change in the future. We may give new definitions for that. Um, I remember one time, about 10 years ago, I said, I want to start establishing deacons. And I had a board member go into panic because he said, well, deacons to me are the guys who take up the offering and go smoke on the porch. And I'm like, okay, that's not what I'm talking about there. I have something much more better in mind. So I was like, let's just move on. Let's just move on from the term deacon for a while. So it's not about getting the right name as, I, as it is the right function. And there's a plethora of scripture that will reinforce what those points are. I love this greeting here in verse 2. Grace to you 
and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, often I will, I will say at the end of an email, sometimes my weekly e-newsletter, which I know all of you read word for word every week, right? Yeah, okay, thanks, David. You probably do read that, okay, or, or Dwayne. Uh, one of you, yeah, those are the two who do read it. Thank God for you guys. I'm going to keep sending them so people can't accuse me of not promoting stuff. I send the email out. Whether you read it or not, it's between you and God, but it's going to come to your inbox most Fridays. Uh, but a lot of times I put a greeting at the end. I say grace and peace. This is a common biblical greeting, and it's just a way to summarize all of the good stuff we get through Jesus. You know, something else that I've had the honor uh, to be with people in in their darkest times, their deepest times, funeral visitation. And the truth is, like, even though I've been doing that for a quarter of a century now, I still don't know what to say a lot of the times because words just aren't good enough. I mean, words aren't good enough. And so often when I don't know what to say, I'll just say to the person with hopefully all of the love I can, grace and peace to you. Think about that. That's, that's a phrase that's from the scripture and it's a phrase that you can hold on to and it, it may be useful to you because it summarizes all of the good things that we receive from Jesus. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to learn the words but not have the culture. Say grace and peace, grace and peace just because it becomes this habit. We want it to be a faith community where the mercy Forgiveness and love of God that is summarized in this beautiful word, grace, is always among us. There's grace among us. And that other word, peace, that other word in the Hebrew, even though this this particular letter wasn't written in Hebrew, but I want to reference the Hebrew word shalom, because that means not just peace, like you feel good, for 10 minutes when you're doing some kind of exercise and then all the peace leaves. It means the wholeness of God, the wholeness of God to you. And so I say to you this day and every day to our CIL church family, to those of you watching online, grace and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's number two. This scripture, I believe is calling us to create spiritual memories and I thought about this phrase for a long time. It's not just a phrase that, that I'm just putting down quickly or carelessly. Look at verse 3. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This phrase creates spiritual memories. Memories only occur from shared experiences. And and Paul had memories with this church because he had been with them. He, He knew names. He knew faces. He longed to be with them. And there he was in prison. And that's why we've named this series Joy Full because it's it's a book of the Bible that, that has the word joy in it more than any other book that I know of. And yet it was, ris- it was written from a guy in prison. Here he is in prison saying, hey, I thank God when I remember you. And it made me think about this whole establishment of kingdom relationships and why it's so important that we invest in knowing one another 
and having shared experiences with one another. That's why venture that we do tonight and Monday and Tuesday matter. Because not just the kids, but the volunteers and the parents who participate, we're going to have a shared memory. We're going to remember song. We're going to remember an experience together. We're going to remember Mauricio trying to act. By the way, in case you didn't know that, he's going to act tonight. Um, Yes, yes, he is. That's just part of being a first-year staff member. Last year, Jacob did the acting. Now Mauricio's doing the acting. Don't, if, if the Lord blesses us to hire someone next year, don't tell them about this, okay? It's just, it's, it's now the new initiation. But this, this, this shared experience of, of putting on and creating event, the shared experience we have, experiences we have uh, through the different ministries of this church, the shared experiences that you're having with your, your friend group or your spouse, these all create memories and these, these, memories, these memories drive relationship, and they do help us in some dark moments. They, they, they are a reservoir for us to draw from. I, I like to call, call it like spiritual pictures. And sometimes when we're just experiencing God's presence together, or we're just having a moment where we're just, I just feel the movement of the Lord. You guys know I, I sit to your right here, and I'll glance over my left shoulder, and I can just kind of sense God just moving on, on, on people here, and I, I just have a memory. And, and, and a memory, I just say, Lord, help me to remember this moment. It, it, just, it just gets into my, my spirit. We, we, we are experiencing God together. I think communion, one of the reasons communion is important and Jesus instituted it, it's a physical memory. Uh, with even our, our taste, bud, taste buds and the texture of communion where, where the bread and the cup are reminding us of the sacrifice and it brings back memories for us. And so we want to create positive media, uh, memories for our teenagers, for our kids, and, and for each other. Are you establishing kingdom relationships? Are you creating memories that will help sustain your prayer life? Because once you begin to have these experiences, you'll, you'll begin to, it'll, it will begin to motivate you to prayer. You, you will remember someone who visited that men's Bible study. You know, the men's Bible study, uh, that 8 a.m. Bible study, I, I must commend them this morning because on Father's Day, we had a room full of men sitting around tables and all of them had a Bible open. I thought, what a great visual. And we have Kenny and Charles and others who are there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But sometimes we have men who just show up once and they never, we never see them again. Not just at the Bible study, but just here at the church. And for that one Sunday morning or that one Tuesday night when, when Dennis Baker's leading a group. And they come in and they come out. Um, and I remember some of those faces, even though I'm not actively involved in those Bible studies. But I remember other, other environments where where for whatever reason, people come in, they come out, and the Lord gives me a memory for them, and I might pray for that person, someone who just attended the church one time, someone who, who, who attended but hasn't been here in many years. This, this memory drives us to prayer. And I think that the Lord actually uses that because how many times have we been driving down the road or we've been working in our lawn are we been on the doing something uh, tedious, washing dishes, and then wow, 
we remember someone, even someone that we're actively involved in or someone from our past. This may be a call to prayer. This may be how the Holy Spirit's leading us to pray for that person. And so I see that, that these spiritual memories draw us to prayer and draw us to deeper relationship. Paul said, I give thanks to my God at every remembrance of you. Here's the final point, number three. I like this one. Watch Christ finish his work. Watch Christ finish his work. And verse six is one of the, kind of the ver- one of the verses we hang on to. It's one of those verses that when we encourage ourselves in the Lord like David did, th- this is one of those anchors we draw from, and I want you to be encouraged from it. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, this is such a great promise from the Lord that God doesn't just start things and check out. God is the one who begins things and brings those things to completion. A lot of, t- a lot of times as human beings, we're good starters, but we're not good finishers. And there's sociology behind that, and there's psychology behind that. God's not that way. He doesn't disappoint like human beings disappoint. God is a finisher. He won't run out of time. Praise God for that. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He won't run out of energy. He won't run out of interest. He's there for you. And he will see you through to the end. Some of you need to hear that today because you have been disappointed. Like some of you, it's like your breath has been taken away because of disappointment and you don't know how you're going to take the next step. The Lord is reminding you of Philippians 1, 6 today. And he's saying the God who started this is going to bring it to completion. Even if you started in faith with a group of friends and some of those aren't even with the Lord anymore. We mourn for that, but we don't stop because of that. We mourn, but we realize that the work of God in us will be completed. And honestly, we can claim Philippians 1.6 for those friends who are away from the Lord at this moment. That the Lord is faithful to bring to completion his work in them. And the concept that I talk about a lot, the already not yet kingdom of God, we see that the finished work of Christ has already occurred, but it's not yet fully here. Here's where it's already occurred. The, the work of Christ is finished through the cross. John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus was on the cross. When he had received, the, the scripture tells us when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. That lets us know that Jesus was always in charge. He was not a victim of violence. He gave up his spirit when the work was finished. And he said, it is finished. Sin is finished. Darkness is finished. The law is finished. The, the addiction to self, self-work and, and works through righteousness, this is finished. At the cross, everything changed. The cross and the resurrection is the pinnacle of the work of God. 
And so when Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't just talking about that afternoon. He was shifting every way man had related to God before. And it was finished and it was done on Calvary. There was no other way but by Jesus to sacrificially, willingly give his life for our sin. And so the death, the effects of sin, they were all finished when Jesus became the substitute for you and I. And this is the story we know. It's the finished work of Christ in us that we know that that we have received grace We have received mercy. We have received forgiveness. We have received uh, redemption from our sins. It is finished because of the cross. And so when we go to the Lord's table, we go to the Lord's table because the cross is is a central component of our faith. Because we know if it wasn't for the cross, we would still be in our sins. But Jesus says, it is finished. Already it is complete. But what we have not yet fully seen is the reign of heaven. And the book of Revelation talks about the reign of heaven. Would you go to Revelation chapter 5? We see what's happening at the throne of God, happening in our present and happening in the present future right before us. Then I looked and heard, verse 11 of Revelation 5, the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, at 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creature and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's Jesus, by the way, in case you don't know. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, he's got it covered there. I heard, I'm going to say it again. I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and, and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. That is our future. It's a future yeah, go ahead and thank the Lord. We got That's a full clap, all right? Okay. Yeah, you're getting there. That's like someone just hit a putt on the third hole. Now, I'm talking about this is the 18th hole, and they've won the U.S. Open kind of clap that's about to happen. You see, we see in our present future... The reign of God, where Jesus is recognized, Jesus is seen, Jesus is glorified, Jesus is known, Jesus is exalted, Jesus is prioritized, Jesus is set on high, Jesus is the authority. And the scripture tells us later on in this same book of Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now I'm talking about a powerful God. I'm talking about an involved God. I'm talking about an ever-present God. God. And brothers and sisters, I want you to go back, Dale, to Philippians 1.6. Now that you've heard all that, I want you to hear this in your spirit. Not just a familiar phrase, but life to you today. I am sure of this, Church of Philippi, and I am sure of this, 
Christ is love, church, that he, the one that we read about in Revelation chapter 5, on the throne of God, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Our God is active. Our God is at work. Our God is involved, and he loves you, and he's after you praise his name for that. Hey, can now we give him a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Amen.